Hey everybody, welcome into Nothing to Say the Fans podcast, and we got a special episode for you guys here today. I'm joined, as always, by the immaculate Jason Russell. Jason, how you doing? Oh, dude, I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> Jason, I really am. Jason, we have been teasing this guest for weeks now, but finally... <laughs> Finally, for the millions listening around the world, we get our golf analyst. Finally, our agents have just sorted it out. The numbers come right. And Ben Welker is joining us today. Well, what's up, gentlemen? I'm glad uh, everyone situation. I know it was a long time coming, but, you know, I'm glad our sides figured out, you know, the right deal. And we got this, you know, able to work and happen. So I'm happy to be here, boys. And we're happy to have you here because we're going right in to Ben. How'd you play today? You know, it was just kind of like a just go for a nice walk in the park kind of a day. I wasn't really keeping score. Hit the ball well. Um, I birdied my last hole. That's all I really remember. But a lot of pars. So, you know, hitting the ball well. It's good. Perfect, man. Love to hear that. And Portland, I'm assuming it's good weather right now because Eugene is just it's probably the most beautiful time of the year for oh, Eugene right now. Dude. Best best day Portland's had since I've been here. Awesome, Just gorgeous. Man. And Jason, how you doing? Which you been up to anything? Um. Well, I just do. Any of you have allergies? Oh, I'm starting to man. Oh my! It's God. starting to bloom up here. Yeah, I'm telling you, like if you if you like spring, go to hell. I I just I <laughs> allergies are the worst and it might be exaggerated because i work outside but man i i absolutely hate spring with a fiery passion i really do my favorite time of the year is october to december the allergies are just whooping my ass and i just yeah no no weather's great i guess in the sense that it's um sunny but you know the allergies are just putting a damper on everything so sorry to bring the show down, but <laughs> well, let's let's bring it back up, guys. We got NCAA championship talk. We can talk about. We're definitely going to touch on the men's game because I know you both watched it. Um, if you guys did watch the women's game, I actually sat and watched the entire women's game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we could talk about that. Uh, obviously, when we have Ben on, he's not only our golf analyst, but he's also an advocate for the Kings organization and. It seems every time Ben comes on, they're on a, they're on a losing streak. So I don't know if there's a curse with Ben, but currently the Kings are on a losing streak, and we'll get into that. But the big thing for this week, it's probably the best time of the year for golf. It's Masters Week and the start of the major golf season. Can't wait to get I, into oh, it. I have, a, I have a question. Wait. I have a question for Jason, mm-hmm. if that's okay, Sam. Oh, of course. Does the Masters do anything for you, Jason, as a non, like, golf, like, I, I would say you're, like, a golf, like, you're a golfer, but, like, are you a golf fan, you know, like, does the Masters do anything for you? Yeah, okay, so if golf is on, and I have time to watch it, I will for sure sit down and watch it. I do, okay. I do really like watching golf, and nobody in my family does, but I... I really do enjoy watching golf. Um, the problem is, is that I, I just, when it comes to the masters, I, every year I always seem to be doing something like this, yeah. like this year, 
I have I have drill. Literally, the Masters start on Thursday. My first mm-hmm. day of drill is Thursday, and it ends on Sunday, and so does the Masters. I'm not going to get a single look at pretty much anything, and that's a bummer because if I had the time to sit down and watch the whole thing, I for sure would. If I had four days off, I would watch the entire thing. And that's where me and Ben will be this oh. week. Yes. So, so this is, I, I'm sorry. I'm kind of just asking questions because this has been a debate on the golf team and I just want your guys' perspectives. Is the masters a top five sporting event that happens every year? Hands is it down. something? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I, agree. You, I mean, you obviously got Super Bowl finals. Um, I would say NCAA man. championship. Yeah. Like, what about the world series sports? No, it's better than the World Series. I think it's better than the World Series, man. I I I'll go with you guys on that one cuz I don't really watch a yeah. bunch of baseball. Well, I mean, if you bring it's in also cha- if you bring in uh, but... if you bring in Champions League finals, it doesn't come close. No. Is it better I mean, than it's... No, go ahead, Ben. I was just gonna... it's obviously subjective, but like would you put it like in your top 5 like I have to watch this every year sort of a category. Like I can't miss like this, you know, game or this series, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I just, I just wanted to see where you guys were at with that. No, hey, good Wait, question, man. Good hang, question. On, hang, on, like that. hang on a sec. You're saying that's a debate on the golf team? It's just like we've kind of been throwing that out there. Like what – not like necessarily debate, but it's been talked about. Like where does the Masters rank among, you know, U.S. sporting events? Are there golfers on your team who don't like watching golf? Oh, dude, I do not want to get into. <laughs> we'll, hey, we'll just say we we'll can name names. There. We can name names, Ben. Dude, <laughs> they won't hear. It's it. Somehow, going to find its way back to me, and I'm not. But let's just say on the uh, female side of the team, oh, not vibing with them right now. We are we are not vibing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get let's get this shit back on it. We will. We do have a fun, I think, competition between me and Ben uh, that. Jason sadly isn't participating in, but there will be maybe a free run of golf on the line for that competition. Like that. So, uh, but we start with the biggest event that happened this weekend: the Baylor Bears shocking the world and beating the overwhelming favorite Gonzaga. What the hell are they? What is their basketball dogs? They beat the the Zags of Spokane, guys. I'll start with you, Jason, because I know you prepared notes. I know you're going to be so prepared for this. What were your thoughts on the game, man? Oh, man. Okay, so basketball, as as much as I enjoy, like, watching the Raiders more than I enjoy watching um, the Kings, a good basketball game like this or just like the tournament um, is, for me, is, like, my favorite thing to watch. Um yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll try not to take a, a huge block of time with this. I'll try to be quick. But mainly, uh, three things stood out to me with Baylor. Um, they won that game, I think, for three main reasons. One, uh, their three-point shooting was unbelievable. I mean, they came out and they were hitting on all cylinders. They were 43% from the three-point line to compared to Gonzaga's 29%. They mm-hmm. actually hit five more threes. Then Gonzaga, which I know maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but it was 15 points, and they won by 16 points. So there you go. And then 
their rebounding number two was the most evident right. thing to me. They were every time a shot went up, it felt like they got every single offensive rebound and every single defensive rebound. The rebounding totals for Baylor was thirty-eight, and to Gonzaga's twenty-two. And Baylor of those thirty-eight rebounds got sixteen offensive rebounds. Sixteen. That's ridiculous for offensive rebounding. They also had 18 assists to Gonzaga's 16. Mm -hmm. And another thing at the beginning, too, I saw a stat that popped up was at the very beginning, it was in the first half. I don't remember exactly what point in the game, but it said that Baylor had 14 points off of turnovers and Gonzaga had zero. So... So their defense was just absolutely amazing. So it was their three-point shooting, their defense, and their rebounding. And Gonzaga had to switch to his zone during the game, which Mm -hmm. I I understood why they did that, because they were just getting beat man-to-man. But the problem is is that when you switch to a zone, the way that you get a team out of the zone is you have to shoot out of the zone. You have to shoot them out of the zone. And Baylor was already hitting threes. And, I mean, they shot – 44% 44% from the field the entire night. So while I understood the switch, because I couldn't do anything, Baylor's three guards are just absolutely unbelievable. They couldn't stop them. It was a weird situation where they were forced to go to a zone, even though they were losing to a really good shooting team. So they were able to force some turnovers there, but eventually Baylor just shot them back out of that zone, which I assumed they were. Um, I was really impressed with the way Gonzaga handled that first punch from Baylor. Because at the beginning, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, you guys saw the game. I was like, okay, this game's over. <laughs> like, they're up by 19. Um, well, it just it just looked like Gonzaga didn't show up. It looked like they were so tired from the game before. Yeah. Wait, wait. I have to clarify something. Mm-hmm. Is it Gonzaga or <laughs> Gonzaga? <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's Gonzaga. <laughs> Gonzaga? Yeah. Gonzaga, okay. I don't, I don't know. We're not from that area. No. Luckily. No one should be. Yeah, luck. <laughs> ben, ben, get, thank we you, can get Jason. into that tape, yeah, but, ben, huh? Jason, thank you. Ben, get into the game, man. Tell me what, tell me what you're thinking while you were watching. Um, I was thinking, first off, Gonzaga has obviously never seen athletes in the West Coast Conference like that from Baylor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that as a team defensively, Gonzaga had been piss poor the entire Final Four, giving up 59%, I think, to both teams from the field. You're not going to win games giving up that percentage um, shooting, especially in college, I feel like. Um, I don't know. I just felt like they looked a step behind. I mean, they, they countered a couple of times, but their counters – you know, obviously they had to come back from 19 early. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to counter against the team that that's good against Baylor over and over again. They tried to chip away, but I, I just didn't see the athletes out there for them. Mm. And they just looked like they were still on a high from obviously the insane UCLA game that they just played. And I, I mean, honestly, I don't blame them. It's kind of hard to refocus after you play an instant classic like that and have to come back and play a team that's been so dominant all year. Um, who had really no problems the entire tournament and just destroyed a Houston team with, you know, no, no pushback. So I don't know. They, it just didn't seem like it matched up well for them. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think for me, the tale of this game was a great system in Gonzaga versus great athletes for Baylor. Mm-hmm. And it's, it came out because Gonzaga started in a man-to-man and Baylor, either if it was Mitchell, Teague, or Butler, whoever, they just decided to take their matchup and just play one-on-one with them, hit those step-back mid-range shots, and really just set a tone that was that said to Gonzaga and the whole world, you can't guard us. Your guards cannot guard us right now. And, uh, even, and when they were getting on the glass, I mean, they had – probably five offensive rebounds in the first three possessions of the game. If that's not setting a tone on, on the rebounding end, I don't know what is. They were just the more physical and Gonzaga, when they were, Jason mentioned getting that punch. Well, that punch rattled them. That rattled the system. And if, if these Gonzaga players aren't as good of athletes, I mean, they're obviously D1 athletes. They're in the championship, but they're not like the Baylor athletes athletically gifted players right so that system was rattled a little bit and they stalled for a long time I mean they had four turnovers within the first three minutes it just did not look and they could not recover from that that was the big tail of tape for me yeah and there was there was a tweet put out by one of and I don't have a twitter but it was so um I don't know, worthy of being posted by ESPN on um, on their Instagram account. One of the ESPN's reporters, um, Mike Golick Jr., put out a quote. Well, not a quote, but it was like it, he was basically personifying Gonzaga and Baylor, and it was Gonzaga in quote saying, we have an all-time great offense. And then it was Baylor responding saying, we lift with the football team. And it really, it really, that, yeah. it really did look like that. I 100% agree with you, Sam, in the sense yeah. that – do you... Baylor just – they looked so much more athletic. Right? You... And it felt like – sorry, Sam. Um, no, you're good. It, just, it, it felt like as – God, I don't know why I'm forgetting Gonzaga's uh, head coach's name. But it's like you can't – you oh. couldn't, like, make that adjustment. Mike like, Fryer? Pers- yeah, you could, he couldn't – yeah. But you couldn't make that adjustment personnel-wise, right? Like, they couldn't match up. Oh, yeah. so close. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it just, you know, like, they couldn't match up to the mm-hmm. physicality down low, and that obviously handicapped them throughout the game. Yeah, and we we talked about a little bit how Gonzaga did get back into this game. I think it was mostly because of Baylor's foul trouble. If Baylor stays yeah. out of foul trouble, they dominate this game because they're bigs. The three bigs that they're rotating in that eventually all got in foul trouble, they were putting in work on – uh, Timmy and then the other Gonzaga bigs that were in it was it's like they were just they just wanted it more it just felt like they wanted it more and I think it, that's and really it tough. felt it yeah. felt like the Baylor the Baylor guys were stars in their roles you know like it felt like they knew I'm god I'm so bad with the names right now but number 11 for Baylor who was just an offensive glass machine oh like, uh, Mark he was, Vidal yeah, Vital. he was just yeah, yeah, he was just a star in his role, right? Like I'm sure it was on the board like you just harassed him on the offensive glass. Right. That's what it felt like to me, right? And it felt like Gonzaga had to just kind of play outside themselves a little bit. No, no one was really starring in their role or at least Baylor was taking that away from them. Right. Mm-hmm. No, totally get it. Do you guys wish I know Ben, you're a little biased. Do you would you have want to seen would you have want to see a this Gonzaga team 
be undefeated the whole year and win the championship. It feels fake to me because the conference they play in. Okay. It, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, like, real, like the West Coast Conference, like they're playing UOP guys. But then like they would still times. have to. They would still have to go into the tournament and win. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Jason, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Um, would you have want to see this team finish off an undefeated season? You know, part there's a part of me, yeah, because it. I mean, it has been done before. It's only, I mean, it's been a, Since such a long 50s. time. But yeah, I think it's been like five decades, um, five or six decades since it's happened. So I, I, there is a, a neat piece of, of history with that, mm-hmm. um, which I think would be cool. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think there's also a really cool storyline with there's this undefeated team who has been who has a chance at history. And then there's this team, this other, this other team who is completely opposite than Gonzaga really. And it, it seems the way that they play. Um, and so you have this historic team, this fancy historic team, and then this like sort of like rough and tough sort of Baylor team. And they smacked Gonzaga in the mouth. And I think mm. that was also really cool because it's fun. I mean, perfection is fun to chase, but it's also kind of cool to see a giant like that just get flattened Um, because against UCLA, UCLA did not look like an 11 seed. They definitely looked like they belonged out there with Gonzaga in this game. And I think you're right, Sam, if Baylor wasn't in foul trouble, it didn't look like Gonzaga was supposed to be out there with Baylor. Baylor was just, they beat him in every facet of the game from Mm -hmm. top to bottom. Um, And I think that was really interesting because you don't see number one sort of quote unquote perfect teams look so vulnerable like that. Um, So I I think there's a good argument to be made um, either way, really. Um, I know that's not yeah. really an answer, but it wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would have loved. I thought to it was see, great. Jason. I, would have, <laughs> I would have loved to see Gonzaga pull this off. Yes, Spokane is a dumpster fire of a town in Washington. Every time I go there, I hate it. Uh, Eastern it the, Washington sucks. Uh, it's just, there's just nothing there. Just man. get rid of it. No. But well. <laughs> to see this team go undefeated, especially with the run that they've been on, they dominated every team in the tournament up until UCLA. They get that miraculous shot, probably the, one of the biggest plays in the tournament so far. It's like this book was written for this team to get it done. And it would have been the perfect Cinderella ending for this season to see Gonzaga achieve perfection. A little small school like Gonzaga achieve perfection. I think it would have been really cool for the NBA or the NCAA. Yeah, and I heard something too this week that I don't know. I want to. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on. Um, it was the idea that that shot that happened, um, the the shot that Gonzaga hit uh, against UCLA, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't mean anything if 
if they lose. And this was this was the analysis before well, before the game. I hate that take. So before the game, <laughs> they, yeah, the take the take was I hate that. Yeah, so the take was who said it that? doesn't it doesn't what it what it becomes is not necessarily like one of the tournament shots that you're going to remember like the Chris Jenkins one, because that one won the championship, what it's going to go, what it's going to be. is just another buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. Cause there's been a bunch of those, but it didn't lead to the eventual winning of the championship. So it just wow. becomes lost in the, in the, the uh, gallery of buzzer beaters that the NCAA has. Right. I, ben, what I do you feel like, man? Stupid, Come on, dude. I say a lot of stupid things, and that's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Really? I, I mean, what do you mean that gets lost, like, in the like, you know, mix of all these buzzer beaters? Well, like that game is, no, like, not. Ahead. I'm not saying that that was your take, obviously, but like, what, like, what does that even mean? Like, it, it's just saying that it didn't lead. It technically didn't lead to anything. If if you're going to yeah. to getting a chance to win the national championship, isn't that like the only thing? Well, mm-hmm. if you're so if you're comparing it, and I'll just do the recent one, the Chris Jenkins shot. That one was honestly, you could probably you could argue that the Gonzaga shot was more impressive because it was from farther away. Um, but the reason why everybody's going to point to the Chris Jenkins shot being the better shot is because that won the national title, the Gonzaga. Oh, for, okay. Yeah, right. That's... So the Gonzaga shot, what, while it is a great shot, what it becomes is just another buzzer beater that happens in the NCAA tournament. A lot of buzzer beaters have happened over the course of the years of the tournament, but because so... it doesn't win you the championship or lead to you winning the championship, it's just another shot, another buzzer so, beater. So, so I'd like to. So I'm I'm a little I'm not ex- entirely with Jason and that I don't even know if Jason believes what he's saying. But uh, no, it was just, just something that I heard explain. this week. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Okay. So so what I I think is you put the Villanova shot against U UNC a couple of years ago. You put that above this, right? Because of the stage, because of what it means. I mean, that was to win a championship, right? But this is still a shot to win a final four game to get into the championship. I, I still think that brings credence to this shot and it will still be in the montages that are made for uh, building up hype for the NCAA, NCAA tournaments for years to come. Sports center will do a top 10 of the all time NCAA best shots. And that's going to be on there. I, I got to believe that, that, that that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think also that the style of that game, like having, what, 19 ties and, like, 14 lead changes or something like that and how crazy good it was is going to help its cause. But, like, I still don't – I mean, yeah, like, I think the Villanova buzzer beater is just in its own different category if we're going to do that kind of a comparison, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we're just – I mean, all – yeah, that, yeah, it's just in its own different category. The Chris Jenkins one, I think, because of the magnitude of it, doesn't just become a basketball thing. I think that goes down to one of the best just endings to a sports a sporting event yeah. ever. I think, um, I think we in our, I can't remember what we called the segment, but it was when I played like 
three seconds of a play. I think oh, that yeah, was yeah, on yeah. the first time we did that. I think I did that play as one of the first times with Jay and Jimmy. I, think. I love that segment. That's a great one. I can't even remember what it's called. <laughs> but moving on, let's put a bow on this whole men's basketball NCAA tournament, okay? What were your guys' MVP teams in a tournament? What was the team that really carried the your attention and really made this tournament special for you? Ben, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, MVP team's got to be UCLA for the tournament, yeah. I think. Uh-huh. They were obviously the Cinderella first four to final four. I mean, they played like dogs the entire tournament. Um, I really wasn't paying attention to them much at the beginning, to be honest. But after mm-hmm. they got to the Sweet 16, it was like, okay, this is like a legit basketball team. Like, you know, I don't know if they caught fire. I didn't really watch a whole lot of, you know, men's basketball, college basketball before the tournament. But I mean, they seemed like a team of dogs and they were coached well. So, they were fun to watch, man. What was your favorite game, not counting the UCLA-Gonzaga? Well, I think that's everyone's favorite game. Okay, but just be creative a little bit. Oh, dude, and- I love that. Uh, oh, God, what? It's like it was Texas and the uh, – Is it when was Texas lost? Yeah, Texas and that Christian school or whatever. What, that was a fun What game. round was it? That was round one. Oh, it was um the fourteenth seed. What was their what yeah. was their name? Texas and uh, um, ECU, Albany Albany ACU, Christian. Yeah, Albany Christian. Yep, Albany mm-hmm. Christian. That was a good one. And then I liked. I think it was another first round upset. It was the Purdue Eastern not maybe Eastern Washington. I think it was Eastern Washington. Or not? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting that one wrong. Um, you said it was they were Purdue. green and gray. Purdue. I'm going through it right now. Um, don't keep so That was keep like talking. an overtime game. Uh, North <laughs> yeah, Texas. No, North that, Texas. North Texas. Yeah, that was an overtime game. That was fun. I think that was their first program, the program's first win in uh, a tournament win. So that was a cool game to watch too. And who did you have winning? Did you, you filled out a bracket yeah, right this year? I, I had Illinois winning. So that was a big bust <laughs> having them go out in the second round, which was sick. I had, my I, had, uh, I had Ohio State winning. All right, I had Ohio Oof. State in the championship. Oof. Yikes. Yeah. So, Jason, yeah. do you have a team that you love to watch and a favorite game that sticks out? Well, I think I agree with Ben just in the sense that I think you have to give it up to UCLA. And I think. Okay, okay. Just forget about the UCLA game. <laughs> no, 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 not the UCLA game. You were talking about the team. Um, yeah, yeah. We just get a little little more variety in here. Well, I had everything prepared. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, truthfully, I mean, honestly, the team that I ended up seeing the most, um, just because they were on and I was curious to see how they played, was actually Gonzaga. I had heard so much about this all-time offense, and I – how, how great they were at spacing the floor and how great they were at cutting. And just, I wanted to see their, their big man, uh, Timmy and I, I, you know, their, their guard, whose um, name I'm blanking on right now, which I'll Jill, talk. Jill and Suggs. Yeah, Suggs, who was an absolute monster. Um, they were honestly really fun to watch. I, I enjoyed watching how they, how they played, uh, how they played the game. They weren't just super reliant on the three point shot. They were, they went down to the post. They got, 
you know, some mid-range jump shots. They did hit some threes. They were super fast um, when it comes to to getting the ball in, um, which is honestly the style of basketball that I loved to play, which was, you know, as soon as the ball uh, hits the net, you know, you're already down half court. I loved how fast that they were playing. Um, so honestly, I just ended up watching them the most because I was, I was really curious to see, to see this team. And um, I thought it was really, really fun uh, to watch them and, 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 and their offense because it, they were just, they were, it was, it was a very beautiful style of, uh, of basketball. Do you have a, a game off the top of your head that really stood out as fun to watch for you? Um, well, definitely the one that I, and it's a boring answer, but the one that I really dove into obviously was the championship game. Um, uh-huh. and so I know that's a boring answer, but, um, to me, that game was, you know, uh, so much fun to watch just because of, of the stakes. And I, I hadn't really gotten a chance to see Baylor. I had just heard all these things about Baylor. I, I was working on this, uh, on Saturday during the final four, um, and I was also working on Tuesday and Monday uh, of the um, of the Elite Eight, so I really didn't get to see many of of the Elite games or the Final Four games. So I, I had heard about Baylor, and I was really curious to see them, and I'm really glad I got to watch them too. So for me, that was just the best game because it was one of the only ones that I really got to dive knee deep into. So, all right, perfect, guys. Um, I'm surprised neither of you said Oregon. I mean, um, well, nobody cares. So. Not knocked off. Ooh, Oregon knocked off State Iowa. is good. I they were. That, yeah, Oregon, they were. Oregon State. State is a good team, man. I remember watching they were good. them when they beat um, they beat they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, and it was like, oh, this team is on a roll right now. Oh God, the Oral Roberts game when they had the buzzer beater chance and forgetting who they were playing. Uh, it was a Sweet 16. Was it Florida? Maybe they, they beat, I don't know. They that beat was a fun Florida game. eighty-one to seventy-eight in the second round. No, it was the next game they lost. The game they lost. Oh, you said it was, it was a against... Sweet Sixteen, uh, Arkansas. Yeah, that was a good game. That was a fun one. Sorry, I forgot about that one. No, you're fine, dude. I just just want to throw that in there. It's not like we're keeping track of your errors. Okay, <laughs> now for the the women's game. Great game. First off. Great stage for women's basketball. What were you guys thinking as Stanford played Arizona? A nice Pac-12 championship game. So I, I will just say off, you know, hand up. I did not watch it. Um, I was playing a golf tournament, so I had an excuse in that sense that I was not around a TV. But what my takeaway is from the women's tournament is that there are a lot of good women's college basketball players and the WNBA needs to expand because you are losing out on a lot of talent by not having enough teams. So I'm thinking Sacramento needs a team. Portland needs a team. I would love for Sacramento. LA's got one. Yeah. Like you, like there needs to be a lot more places for these girls to go because they are killers. Jason, did you watch this game? Uh, I was at an Easter party. <laughs> actually. Okay, okay. I'll just say. So Stanford dominated most of this game. Arizona fought hard. This is the third time these teams have played each other. You guys know how hard it is in sports for a team to 
beat another the same team three times in a year. And this game came down to the wire. Um, who is Arizona's guard's name? Oh, oh, Ari McDonald. She is a star, a breakout that star too. for the WNBA, or for if she ends up in the WNBA. Like she is such a marketable personality. Um, she was clutch late. She had a tough shooting night, but that's because Stanford, I think within every sport, pretty much every women's sport, just finds the lengthiest, most most athletic girls. And and they're probably the most skilled players. Like it happens in volleyball, it's in basketball. I'm watching like yeah. these, these girls were the the whole the whole twins, um, Lacey Hole and Lexi Hole, just lengthy. Girls that were giving Arizona trouble because they're a little Lengthy. undersized. Okay, sorry. And the, uh, <laughs> the what was her what was her name? But going down late, I didn't, it sucks that you guys didn't watch the game. I'm Stanford watching it right now. Up, actually, <laughs> Stanford ends up winning, but I believe they had they did not deserve to win this game, just based purely off of the final couple possessions because they were giving this game to Arizona. They ended up turning the ball over on their last couple possessions when it was really getting into time late and it only took Arizona running a I wouldn't want to say dumb play because they gave it to their star player but when she was triple teamed she didn't pass out of it. So it just took all that for them to sort of back into this championship win which is kind of a a tough ending for a great game. Yeah. And you know, I, the thing, the thing that's really disheartening too is, is, I mean, a perfect example is I, and I know that, you know, Ben, you were gone and I was busy. I, we both couldn't have watched it, but it's not for a lack of um, interest. I'm watching, I've been watching this game during this entire segment. Um, And if there, if there's any belief that the level of basketball that, that these women are playing is not at the same level of the men's in terms of like, you know, just straight up the game of basketball Then you haven't watched the game because this, this game has been so it was, I mean, like I said, I'm watching it literally right now and this has been awesome. The plays that they've been running, just everything that's been going on. It, it, I mean, if you enjoy basketball, there's absolutely no reason in the world why you wouldn't enjoy watching you know, women's basketball. Um, and I think that the, the, the sad thing is, is that it just, it doesn't get the amount of attention that, um, that it deserves because, you know, truthfully these fi- the final four game. And then this, uh, this championship game, um, the both specifically with Stanford, I think Stanford is the first team in women's history to win both their final four game and the championship game by one point each. So I mean, if that if that gives you any indication on how close the games were, then you know you'd be missing out if if, if you really weren't um, paying attention to. Uh, it the also, games. it also feels like the women's final four is always having better games too. It always Agreed. feels like their national championships are coming down to the last shot, which is sick. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> It is the best way to end your season every single year is to have arguably the two best teams go at it to the last second. And it seems like on the women's side, it happens every single time. Yeah, agreed. Ben, would you would you go to a – if there was a game – well, 
game next year in Sacramento, WNBA, are you going? Dude, I, I'm telling you, when I'm older and if if I live in a city that has women professional sports, I'm buying season tickets because one, you can't get like I feel like you can get closer to the game. The games feel like more relatable, right? Like if you compare it to golf, like if you watch women's golf versus men's golf, like the women are playing the same game that we are. It feels more fun to watch and relatable. And it feels almost the same with like basketball and soccer. It's like we played like that's how the game's supposed to be played. Like, you know, on the men's side, it feels like you just have all these freakish like athletes, you know, mm-hmm. that are dunking and, you know, shooting 40 footers. Like that's just not the games that we played. Right. Yeah. yeah well, so totally. So well like, played. absolutely. Like, I feel like one, you can get closer to the athletes. The quality of play is just as good or better. And I mean, yeah, I, dude, I'm telling you, I, when sports come back and I'm able to go and if there's, you know, women's professional sports in my area, I'd be there all the time. Bring the Monarchs back. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, the city of Sacramento would go nuts for the Monarchs. Did you uh, you guys end up going to a Monarchs games as kids? Yeah, dude, it was like, it was like my, because they played in the summer. That was like my birthday every single year with Monarchs games. Yeah, I, I think I've been to, well, definitely at that age i went to more monarchs games than i did kings games yep yeah i have a i have like a when they won the WNBA championship i have like a little like poster that has like carol lawson and all those like oh god uh who's their point guard she was so good and i'm forgetting her name she had like uh, i need to look it up but she i have a photo of them it's all signed it's so cool very cool yeah all right that's concluding our basketball talk. Uh, March Madness is officially done, even though it's been April for a while now. Uh, great season with all things going on. Uh, it's crazy that the NCAA tournament went on without pretty much a hitch. They only had the VCU game or the VCU v Oregon game canceled because of COVID. And that was the only blip in that tournament. So well run. Congrats to the NCAA and start paying your athletes all right yes thank you going into uh (laughs) going into and jason said earlier he didn't he felt bad for putting a downer on the podcast well we're definitely putting a big downer on the podcast by talking about the sacramento kings and their current form so right now the kings are on the in the midst of a four game losing streak yes sir after one of one of the most hopeful times in the organization Benjamin Welker, the biggest Kings fan that I know. What's going on when you watch these games? Dude, they – it <laughs> feels like they play like they've earned something when they've earned absolutely shit for 14 years. And they say after every losing streak, right? And we, uh, we do have to forgive our listeners for the, uh, the cussing I'm gonna right there. I'm going to start cussing. It's going <laughs> to just fly. It's gonna fly. I'm sorry to any anybody okay. that. Can't okay, just stand. go okay, go to, go game by game, man. The second San Antonio game. Let's just go to that one. They just came off of a big win against yeah. San Antonio. Team was playing really well, playing together. Uh, this team was talking about playoff push. Fox is on. Get up. He's talking about how the culture is changing in Sacramento. And then they go into the second <laughs> game. It's in San Antonio. Tell tells yeah, me. and and. 
and like I'm not I, I felt like a one one split with San Antonio was good. Mm-hmm. Um I it just felt lazy. It just kind of felt like they just kind of got what they, you know, they they won one. And I think that was probably the conversation before the trip too was hey, let's let's split this. And they did it and they split it. Um I have no real issue with that game. I have issues with the game against obviously the the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Lakers. Uh Those are the games that feels like they came out and like they felt like they had an edge for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. And like they were the, they probably were, they were the better team on the floor, but again, they haven't earned shit at all. So why, why are we taking nights off? Like no one on that team, Fox is the only guy that can, probably single-handedly win a game but it just feels like they come in sluggish no one seems to really be interested and boom we're down double digits and it seems like we can't fight our way back because we've allowed players to feel comfortable on the other team because we don't seem to have any intensity and want to get in someone's face yeah it's tough too because uh fox we've been i mean he deserved he deserved it for sure all the accolades that came all the the uh, news that came his way, winning Western Conference Player of the Week. He's getting 37, 44, 36, 30 on a nightly basis that week. He averaged almost 30. I think he he might have actually averaged 30 the entire month of March, right? Like this this guy is playing at an all-time level for it's, him. It's not Fox. No, no. So, so but yeah. for this this losing streak, right? He did have – he's had off games for sure, at least shooting-wise. Everything seems short. Uh, the free throws are missing again. Like, he's due – he deserves, I guess, a stretch where he doesn't play at an all-star level, right? And that's totally warranted. But then other guys are just – like, Buddy cannot also be slumping. And Tyrese is now slumping. And Rashawn isn't yeah. getting involved as much. And – uh, they need Terrence Davis to be the leading scorer for this team. And it's like uh, Harrison Barnes occasionally is putting in good games, but it's every uh, so often games like, and you, you put, you said it perfectly, dude, that Laker game. Yeah, sure. Losing to San Antonio. I mean, they got Greg Popovich for sure. Yeah. Right. Like the, 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 a double, a back to back in San Antonio everyone's happy with the split in the entire league. No one, you know. Right, like they played so well in the first game. Uh, everyone was getting theirs. Like they played as as a team pretty much. And even Fox had like an off-shooting night that game, but still they played great, right? And then the next game, they looked completely different. But I, I think we talked about it. That's more just a coaching mismatch right there. That's Luke not making adjustments <laughs> and Greg making yes. the right adjustments. De'Aaron looked like he couldn't get anything. Um, and they just, they, they just, they just de- defensively shut down the Kings. Right. It looked like they figured, it looked like they knew what the Kings were running before the Kings did. Right. Yes. But yeah. you go against the mm-hmm. Lakers, the Lakers without Drummond, without LeBron, without AD, they have Marcus Gasol. The G League team, man. It's probably yeah. the worst roster it's the worst roster it's the worst starting lineup in the nba right now easily and they go out and that team does whatever they want with the kings and the kings are fully healthy with with the exception to marvin bagley it just seemed like there was no urgency 
with this team. And that's the culture, right? And like, that's the culture that's been there for 14 years is that it feels like for whatever reason, they always feel entitled to something. It doesn't matter who's on that team, man. Right. We've had so many different players come through and it feels like every single group that we have, they, they, for whatever reason, get hot for a week and a half. And then they feel entitled to play down to other teams' competition for no reason. So, and I feel like it's just a culture. It, it's a total culture thing. To to give credit to that, earlier this year, they had a four-game winning streak, right? Where the same things were being said. Fox is going off. They beat New Orleans. Fox scores thirty-eight. They beat Boston, which is a big win. They Fox has twenty-six. They beat Denver again. Barnes has twenty-eight. And then they beat the Clippers, and Fox has 36, right? Immediately mm-hmm. after that, and I'm sure all the press was, holy cow, this team's playing great. Sacramento's changed. The exact same story, right? They end up going on an eight-game losing streak immediately after. Yep. So I don't get yeah. why there's just so much polarity with this team where we can see the best of them, and then a week later – see literally the worst of them as they lose to San Antonio, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Minnesota. Like, Los Angeles and Minnesota, those are two of the worst rosters yeah. in the NBA right and, now. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was Milwaukee without Giannis. Yeah. So if you're if you're <laughs> yeah. this this team, what is going on? And I, I like also just want to like say that we are talking about the Sacramento Kings and like they aren't a good basketball team like I don't think this year's different in the sense that you have a chance as a 10 seed to obviously make a playing game the playoffs technically Mm -hmm. but like man we are a treadmill team like we stay the same right like I don't I don't see I'm glad we have Monty McNair I think Monty McNair is the right guy for the job right now but it's it just we have Fox, right? You have your 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 guy, the once in a decade draft pick, right? You have, like you land this guy. You have, you, got, uh, you, you have, have two him. guys that are that were just released by the ES, yeah. by ESPN. Twenty, the top twenty five players under twenty five, Tyrese and Fox, were both yep. a part of it. Yep. So you've got two guys, right? Like let's like let's not be a fucking treadmill team. Like, let's go get a guy. Like, let's... And and again, like, why would anyone want to trade for our guys, too? Like, I feel like we also forget about that sense, too, in this, like, you know, who would want a Corey Joseph or even a Harrison Barnes, necessarily? Do you think like, it's... Would, I, do you think it's a personnel problem? What do you, what do you think the problem I, with, with I, this I, team is? I, I mean, right now, I think... I think you do have, I think you have big gaps. I think you have gaping holes. I don't necessarily think you have bad personnel, but I think the personnel in some of the roles on the roster is pretty, you know, sizable in the sense that like, like how bad they are. And one of them being buddy healed. Like I see why we had to keep Harrison Barnes, because if we traded away Harrison Barnes, this team couldn't even sniff winning a game right now. Um, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's 
a personnel issue. I don't necessarily think it's a coaching staff issue. I don't think Luke is the guy, but I also don't know who else is out there that you could just nab that can fix this. It's not going to be something that's going to be fixed in a year. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's just frustrating, and I'm sure Fox has got to feel it too, but, like, like you like either you gotta you gotta tank it or you've gotta you've gotta go for it with Fox, right? Like either you just gotta say we're gonna be a bottom dweller, we're gonna get another good pick, and we're gonna let these guys blossom with you, or you just gotta go nab someone or figure out how to trade for someone and make an actual run at this thing because it's I mean fourteen years, man, like fourteen years of being bad but not bad enough. Right, you know. So I think it's it's yeah. I th- so the the story going around, I think it's probably only been stirred by uh, Colin Cowherd, but uh, he's been stressing because of Zion's brilliance, it puts more pressure on New Orleans and their organization to become a contender because he's no longer going to want to stay. I know Fox said all the right things. I totally believe him. That he wants to be in Sacramento. Yeah, he true. just signed a five-year extension. Yep. But he's a max guy. Two years from now, that's a different Fox that we're talking about. That could be an, another nope. couple losing seasons where he's averaging close to thirty points and not not being considered an all-star, not being considered one of the best uh, point guards in the league. That only comes seemingly with team success. So, at what point does he say? You know what, guys? I need I need a new situation. In a couple of years, right? I mean, if if you build it, you know, like around I, people want to play with Fox, man. You just need to figure out how to build a winning culture, and I think that is getting new guys, new new blood in, and but like at the same time, man, it just seems like whoever comes in, it's just like yeah, you know, like we don't need to be up for this game. We're fine. Like, you know, who cares? Like, you know, it's just Sacramento, like whatever. Like it just, it just, it feels like whoever we bring in, there's just no dog in them. And it's, it's just something, I don't know how you flip that switch. And I hope Monty McNair somehow is figuring that out, but man, this, the culture within that locker room and within that organization needs a fucking redo. Yeah. It, it just, it, it just reeks of mediocre. Like we are just a mediocre treadmill team that is fine with finish, you know, winning 30, 32 games. We're good with 32, man. You know, like we're not going to change. It's cool. Right. It's just, it, it doesn't matter. We have Fox. He'll win us so 25. I did a little bit of digging while you guys were talking and I found – that right now, because you guys were talking a lot about Fox, that Fox right now, currently in the in the NBA, is one of only seven players in the NBA averaging at least 24 points and seven assists per game. One of only seven. I don't have the other list for you right now. I wasn't able to dig that deep, but he is on that list as one of only seven players averaging 24 points and seven assists per game right now. And I think, I think Fox yeah. would be considered an all-NBA player if this team were to somehow make it into the playoffs. And it's just, oh, easy, it's, man. It's just, he would have been an all-star. He would have been an all-star this year. If the Kings were top 10 in the West, well, yeah, no doubt. Well, yeah, mind. Chris Paul was an all-star. 
dude, fucking Mike Conley was an all-star. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what? I, I feel I, it's tough because I feel like, Ben, every time you come on, the Kings aren't playing well. I'd, I'd love it if you came on and the Kings were playing well, but um, we just had to have that conversation. Everyone dude, listening, like, yeah. these are lifelong Kings fans that have, the whole time that we've been alive, they've pretty much been bad. So... Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna get what you get. But now we go into the main event for this show. It's Masters Week, starting on Thursday. Ben and I have prepared a couple picks for this weekend, quite similar to what me and Jason, Jason and I did for the NFL season. But for this Masters tournament. Ben and, ben and I have picked five players for each round that we fi- that we think will finish within the top ten. So even if they finish tied for fourth or t- top five, I mean, if they finish tied for fourth or tied for fifth, we get a point if that player is on our list, right? And we also picked players that we think will miss the cut, and we did it for each round of this Masters tournament, and the winner the person that gets the most points, the most correct picks gets a free round of golf this summer from the loser. So a lot of the line, a lot of the line here, Ben, a, a nice little Auburn Valley Lots. round. Okay. Ooh. Dude, I can't wait to go back to Auburn Ooh. Valley. That place is fun. <laughs> you know, there's a lot, a lot of the line here. Okay. And I will say, Tons. I will say my mom will not pay for that round. I will, I will actually pay for that round. <laughs> it, will, it will not be part of their membership, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, So do you have your list ready? Well, before we – sorry, getting ahead of myself. Before we get into that list, I think it's not talked about enough going into this Masters week. And I don't even think the Masters has been talked about enough in general uh, sports media settings. I've had to go out um, out of my way to find the Masters talk. What's the differences do you think, Ben, our golf analyst, do you think is the is the biggest differences going into this Masters tournament held in April compared to last year's tournament held in the fall? Gosh, I've got so many takes about the Masters. I don't know how much time you two have, but oh, just a couple I major ones deep, that you think will deep, will be big time okay. differences this major, year. Major obviously, obviously Augusta and the Masters is not supposed to be played in November. We figured that out pretty clearly from the broadcast last November. This year in April, the weather has been very dry in the Augusta area from my, um, you know, reportings, the people I have on the ground in Augusta. On, from sources. On the grounds at the Master, my sources. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather has been phenomenal. So we are going to see a very firm and fast Augusta. It is going to play very tough. It's going to play a little shorter than what we saw in November, Mm -hmm. but those greens are going to reject a lot of golf balls. And we're going to see, I think, one of the best masters and probably best tests of golf we have seen in a long time. So I am very excited for what this year's masters is going to bring. I hope we get a little wind. I hope, we get no rain and it just plays dry and quick. Man. So I'm hoping that you, you can really quickly just off the top of your head when I'm saying mine, I put a winning score 
for my winner. If you want to do the mm-hmm. same really quickly, if you haven't, I definitely went because DJ finished what twenty over or twenty under last year. Yeah, it was like nineteen twenty something ridiculous. But it was the record, right? I've definitely gone way, yeah, way lower than that because again, I oh, think yeah. we're both on the same page. This course will play a thousand times differently than last year. It's gonna be so good. Yeah, and I totally th- I thought that the greens, man, we're just on the same wavelength. I definitely thought the greens were going to be that big time difference this year because right. it was raining last year. They had rain delays, yes. yeah, and it was just it played right into the guys that play really high uh, approach shots in, and the fir- the greens just just caught the ball and they stayed on. Right. Yeah. Yep. The thing the thing about uh, the Masters and Augusta is that the greens are the course's defense. Right. It's not a very hard course to get around, um, but if you don't hit the ball on the right shelf, and those shelves sometimes are the size of like a dining room table, from you know 170 yards, like you're you're chipping or putting, you know you're off the green or you're having an 80. Or you're in the, you're in the water. Ten different ways. It could be rolling exactly. behind so, the green. <laughs> so you're gonna see like that's why I say you're gonna see the greens reject a lot of good shots this week, and you're gonna see a lot of frustrated players and. It's gonna be something. So I put my winning golfer will finish twelve under this year. Do you think that's too high? I don't think. I think that's a safe number. I think twelve under is a very like average winning round. There, I just don't know if a winner this week is going to have more than one round in the sixties. And I, that's where I'm kind of like, maybe, maybe even nine, I, I'll go low. I think nine will win it. Nine. Under. And that'd be really refreshing to see. I mean, we saw the PGA championship last year, I think was one with 13 or 14 under by Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U S yep. open was pretty tough. I mean, there was only like what, four people under par at the end of it. I think Bryson was the only guy that finished under par, but he finished six under. So. And I don't know about you, man, but, I feel like those tournaments are actually kind of the more enjoyable to watch. Those ones that are really yeah, close like I, that. Yeah. And like, I, I like, this is like a whole other discussion. Um, yeah. I just think Augusta just, it's just going to play pure golf. There's not going to be hacking shit out of rough. You're not going to be hacking golf balls out of rough. Um, I, I don't, I just, yeah, I, I think when you really test these guys with how good they are, it's it's nice to see them have to grind a little bit because mm-hmm. usually they play target golf, right? They hit it there and then they hit it within 15 feet of a pin because the greens are soft or it's receptive or whatever. But that's just not the case at Augusta, man. You just have to play it a little differently. It's 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 different. You hit a lot of shots on fairways that are weird undulating lies that the balls above or below your feet and the greens running one way. And if you miss it up top, you're putting it off. It's, it's a grind out there. And it's nice to see that these, you know, superstar golfers are going to have to deal with a couple of doubles on their cards this weekend. Yeah. I I can't wait. Jason, Mm -hmm. I know Ben and I have made picks. Um, I know you didn't necessarily prepare for this question, but who would you like to see win? And just in mind, because I know Brooks is like one of your favorite guys. I, I think he pulled out of this tournament. 
because he just had he's in it. He's oh, in did it. he actually say he's in he's it? Playing. Yeah, he he's playing. Yeah, he just had knee. Didn't he have knee surgery? Yeah, he had knee surgery less than three weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know. I okay. So Brooks Kepa is in it, but his his playing ability may be questioned. Right. Jason, who would you like to see win this master tournament and get the green jacket put on by Dustin Johnson or someone putting a green jacket on Justin Johnson again? Uh, I'd say Jordan Spieth. And the reason why I like the that. reason why is because let's let's take a and I've I've been doing a little bit of research. I have while you guys have been talking, I have been doing a deep dive into the history of the Masters, and I have a couple facts for you later on in the episode. I don't want to get in the middle of this, but I've got some interesting things about Augusta that I did not know. Um, but Spieth, I mean, what did we hear about Spieth when he was first coming up, right? He was winning all these tournaments, and Ben, you can back me up on this because I may have the timeline a little out of order. Um but, you know, he was winning all these tournaments and, you know, it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, Tigers, I guess at the time, it's kind of people were thinking maybe he's, you know, he's on a downward trend and he might be on his way out. And who's going to be the next guy to take that mantle? And then it sort of seemed like the media pushed it towards Spieth. And then he had, you know, a really good, um, a really good couple. I think it was like what, Ben, like a year or two, maybe um, mm-hmm. where he was playing yeah. really well. And then he had and then he had one tournament. Where I think it was the Masters, right? He was doing, he was yep. playing really well. He took a lead, and then just it tanked. It tanked during that round, and for whatever reason, it didn't seem like he he like ever really rebounded into the way that you know we thought he would. And I believe he just won a tournament, right? Correct. Um, yep, this last week. So that's good for him to take some momentum into into this um, into this tournament. So I think I think for Spieth. It would be a nice thing to to go out. Well, it'd be nice for everybody, but you know, it would be it'd be good for him mentally to go out there and win this tournament because you had all that media surrounding you, say, telling you that you know you're going to be the next Tiger, you're going to be this, you're going to be. And nobody's ever going to be the next Tiger, but you know what I mean. You're going to be the next star of golf, and then he's just he's had a really rough patch. Um, so I think for him and to get sort of his reputation back a little bit, I think it'd be good for him to. Uh, Win or at least play really, really, really well. Oh, that'd be a career saver. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, this is a Augusta is a horses, you know, like for it, it's a horse course if that makes sense. In the sense that your top guys are always winning. Like if you look at any leaderboard in Masters history, it's the it's, it's the top ten or fifteen players in the world are always there. Jordan Spieth is one of the best players in the world. It fits up nicely for his game. He puts the lights out of the ball. He's a fantastic iron player. I really like that pick. I think it. Uh, I think it would be. I think it'd be good to uh, to see him win. That would be. Uh, that'd be nice. All right, Ben. The top five. Who do you think is going to be in the top five after the first round of play concludes on Thursday? Give me five names. Gosh. Gosh, there's there's a lot of different ways I can go with this, but my top five mm-hmm. after round one is DJ. I just think DJ solid. He set the course record last year. He is the number one player in the world for a reason. So DJ is going to be in your top five. I love me some Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. Colin Morikawa is the best iron player on tour. Can he make putts? I don't know, <laughs> but. 
Don't need but to if you put it five feet in the hole. <laughs> Dude, he can't make short putts. That's what the stats say. He is a horrible putter from inside like six or seven feet. So I don't know, but if he hits if he hits his irons well, I think he's gonna roll some in. I think Justin Thomas is gonna have a very good week this week at the Masters. So I got him in my top five after round one. Mm-hmm. Now I've got my last two are a little sneaky. I wasn't quite sure how to go with this, but I love Daniel Berger here. Oh, yeah. Daniel Berger is – he gets, like, sneaky hot. And I think he he won Pebble, and we just kind of haven't seen him for a while. But I think he is going to kind of just come out of nowhere in that sense. And, he again, really good iron player, puts the lights out of the ball. I think he's going to have a really good week. I see him in my top five throughout the week. Um, but my last kind of surprise pick for after round one is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Again, okay. <laughs> again, this is all – I really like the iron players here. I don't think you need to necessarily be super long at Augusta, even though it is really all about uh, par five scoring. You have to play the par fives under par throughout the week to be in contention. But, again, it's just round one, so I'm just going to take my guys to hit the ball really well. And then maybe we'll see it after that. But, um, but yeah, that's where I met with round one. Those are my guys. Uh, I definitely like it. It's definitely hard to call round one. I feel like that's more of a um, anybody who gets hot and has – anybody can have a good round. These are all professional golf players, and their games could just be dialed in at the start, right? So I've gone our leader after round one. And this guy – I. He, He's got probably one of the best track records of starting off tournaments, especially major championships, really hot. I think John Rahm will be leading after round one. Oof. Yeah. All right. He just his they just had a kid, he and his wife. Just letting you know. <laughs> what does that mean? His golf game that will be, be bad. <laughs> Oof. I don't know, man. That's not a lot of sleep once you have a newborn. Well, he's in the States. Maybe but his continue. maybe his newborn's in Spain. You know what? Okay, so I got, I think, Paul Casey, who really, like Daniel Berger, came on hot last year and really established himself as a like a guy that, a golfer that can be and contend in a lot of major tournaments. I think Paul Casey will be there at two. You like that one, Ben? I do. I like that. I think Xander Shoffley will find his way at number three in the top, in my top five. There's nothing this guy mm-hmm. can't do. He pounds drivers. He's, I think he's probably one of the best iron and wedge players. Probably putting might be a little tough, but I think he's shown that uh, that he can play any golf course well, and he's one of the most talented players in the field. A guy that is playing maybe the best golf of the last month is Lee Westwood. Ben, you like that? Okay. I like that. I, I do like that. I think he's going to get off to a nice hot start. I don't know. I don't have him staying in my top fives through the tournament, mm-hmm. but I think round one, give a little credence to how Lee Westwood is playing. And then a guy in my, for my final spot is Patrick Cantley, who has balled yeah, like out in major tournaments. He might be, when his game is right, a top five most talented player in the world right now active. So that's my top five for round one. I like that. 
Jason, you got anything? Anybody stand out that you kind of were surprised about? Um, I mean, not not really. Um, I think everything that you guys have said have, has made has made sense as to why you think um, they're going to be in their position. So there was nothing that you guys said that I was like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't make any sense for your reasoning. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm all good. I'm I'm sorry. I've just been reading a bunch of trivia <laughs> about the Masters. I feel like I feel like I, I feel like I invented the course now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll go into round two now, Ben. Who do you got for round two? Yep. All right, for round two, I got DJ still in my top five. I've got Burger still in my top five. I've got Cantley moving into my top five. I think he's just in the – I think he's in the top ten, makes a move Friday, puts himself in the top five. I've got Xander, again, kind of the same deal with Cantley. He always seems to play well here. I've got him moving in on Friday to my top five. Mm-hmm. And I've got Jordan playing into my top five on Friday. Yeah, I think yeah. he's going to have a little bit of a winner's hangover on Thursday. It might shoot, you know, a 71 or a 72, just kind of be even or one under. But I don't think the leader is going to be, you know, that far off in terms of they might finish four under, five under at most. So I'm thinking he'll come back. Um, day two and have a really hot day. So I'm putting him in my top five. All right. I think you – do you have one more? But you said no, DJ – Xander. Oh, Xander. I've just, I just missed Xander. Xander, Berger, Cantlay, Jordan, DJ. Those are my top five on Friday. Yeah, I think we got a lot of um, – kind of a little bit of similar – I mean, obviously the best players are going to be up there, right? So there's only a, a select few that you can pick from. Um, for me, I think Cantley's going to shoot up to – the leader after the second round, followed by DJ, then Tony Finau. I'm hoping he's up there because this guy can he can light yeah. up any course. He can put up a 65, yeah. 64 on any course. I think that might be good enough to get him into this top five. Uh, Patrick Reed played really well last year. I think he's going to continue that. I mean, he's a he's a, a former uh, Masters winner, so he obviously has had success on this course and he has recent success on this course i think he can have success again and finish in the top five of the second round and then paul casey just slides farther down in that in that yeah. top five and now this is the fun I like part it. i like I, it. i hoping that you did this and you pick some big names who do you think is missing the cut dude i've got so many all right perfect john rom missing the cut <laughs> okay rory mcelroy missing the no, cut that'd be so sad Brooks kepka Dude, he's lost in the wilderness right now, man. He's searching. You are the second he, person to, he's to say this this week. I he's heard dead. a reporter on ESPN rip into Rory this week. He's dead, I man. heard that as well. He's a dead man out there. He's not good. <laughs> not good. I got him missing the cut. Um, I said Rom, right? You I did. Rom, yeah. McElroy. Kepka's obviously missing the cut. The guy can't even walk, okay. let alone swing a fucking you know, club. <laughs> I feel like that's not fair to pick him, but okay. I've got – okay, fine. That's not – okay, fine. I've got a couple more. I've got Adam Scott missing the cut. Sergio Garcia missing the cut. Ooh. Tommy Fleetwood missing the cut. Um, uh, ooh, this might be kind of a – just out of left field, but – I think Bubba Watson's going to miss the cut. All right, can you um, give me your the most the surest five that you have that are going to miss the cut? Yeah. 
what I say. So I so said, you said Rory, Rom, Fleetwood, Garcia, Scott, Watson. Okay, I like I like Fleetwood, Scott, Rory, Rom. Um, and I guess Brooks doesn't really count. You're not giving no, me I'm that not one. It. That's cheating. Pick a pick a um, one legged golfer. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna make the cut. Yeah, that's fair. Um, oof, God. You know what? I really don't like Kevin Na, so Kevin Na's gonna miss the cut. <laughs> Is he even in the tournament? <laughs> yeah, he's in the tournament. <laughs> Why do you like Kevin Na? Dude, I think his antics and his just like <laughs> like stupid walking the ball in is just so annoying, man. It just makes me so mad watching him play golf when he puts it, and it's just like, oh, it just irritates me. And dude. that's right, listeners at home. Ben does get mad at the smallest little things that someone oh, does. God, it's just oh, oh, God, please. If if you haven't seen it, look up Kevin Knott walk like putting. It's it's gross. It's just. All right. Someone should kick him off the tour. So man. for me, I have Phil Mickelson missing the cut this year. Oh, I don't see if you're not going to give me Brooks, I'm not giving you Phil. He he made the cut last Phil year. Phil hasn't made a dude. Phil hasn't made a cut since then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> fine. Fine. You know what? I'll give you that one. Fine. You okay. know what? I think it. that's cherry picking, but that's just playing for a free every, round. I just want the listeners to know you're just playing for a free round of every, golf. Every, every golf media person's favorite golfer right now is who, Ben Welker? Is who? I don't know. Who's who's your favorite? Bryson DeChambeau is missing the cut. Oh, God. Okay, so I want to – yes, do your – and then I want – okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's Continue. Bryson DeChambeau is missing the cut this this year. Colin, like like Colin Morikawa, who I also love, I think is going to miss the cut this year. Damn, that's tough for me with my top five. I think Matthew Wolf Continue. is missing the cut this year. Another talented youngster. Dude, that's cherry picking. Cherry How's picking that cherry that picking? I can't give you that one. Wait, how? Dude, he's withdrawn like four times in this calendar. I did year. not know that. He's got injuries too. He's dealing okay, with some I'm injury sorry, stuff. That's fine. No, no, no. Just play your way to a free <laughs> I round didn't of golf. Know that. It's fine. I, I was trying know. to go out on a limb. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to go. I don't want to go Bubba because I feel like master, former master winners play well. I'll, I'll go Sergio Garcia, though. Okay. That's fair. I'll give you that one. And then last year's runner-up, Cameron Smith, will miss the cut this year. I was thinking of doing that one, but I was also thinking there's this thing like we call Icarito where you fly a little too close to the Mm -hmm. sun. And I was thinking we could make a couple Icarito picks. Yeah, exactly, like Icarus. So we were (laughs) – so like – who is not going to win? And the goal is to like fly as close as you can. So like you want your player to finish second. Does that make sense? So picking the first loser. Yeah, exactly. You want to pick who's not going to win. Well, I have, you don't want your guy to miss the. I cut. have who because Bryson was my guy. Oh. I I think Bryson will somehow climb his way. Well, up. you're kind of so spoiling the rest of the pick. So just go into go into the, the sorry, third, your third round here. My third round. So I've got DJ, Colin, Cantley, 
Tony. Here comes Mr. Tony Fino looking for another backdoor top three. And then you got Jordan, man. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I pray that on Sunday we've got a DJ Jordan final group. And to kind of spoil, like I just kind of did, I hope Bryson goes off on Sunday and just starts climbing the leaderboard and we see him just kind of maybe even take the lead on Sunday a couple groups ahead. I think I think golf Twitter and just the golf world would go nuts. Well, I think that's um, – you're, kind of, you're getting confused because I think that's going to be in a different course where he's just playing around because he won't, he won't make the cut. Oh, see, I – dude – I, I don't know. I think he's he's so like scientific that I think he's kind of fig- he might figure something out and he might just he might just be dialed come Sunday. I I don't know, man. I I hope everyone's wrong cuz he's definitely everyone's like hype. He's the most I think he's the most hype figure in golf right now. Oh, for sure. It's not even close. He's a content machine. <laughs> content machine. He's so weird, dude. He is the weirdest human in the golf world, but I love I love the weird shit he does. It's awesome. I, th- I think it's good. It's he's definitely had a good career. I just think he's. I was I went on a limb. It's going to be my surprise one that I could say. See, I got it right for this week. <laughs> I like it. So though. for my third round, I think Paul Casey will finish in the lead after the third, followed by Dustin Johnson, and then I, for the first time in my hypothetical Masters, Justin Thomas gets into the top five. Followed by Shawley, wow. and then followed by Tony Fino. Nice. Okay. Justin Thomas, I think, right behind Bryson DeChambeau, is probably the person that I've been hearing most people. Well, besides Justin Johnson, probably everyone is picking to win this year. Everyone's saying, "Oh, well, he just won the Players. His game's at like an all-time right right now, so he is primed to win this Masters." Do you see any credence to that? Sorry, say that again. You kind of cut for a second. Jason, did you hear me? Yep. Okay. Well, I'll say it again. So, right behind Bryson <laughs> and... Sorry, that didn't help. <laughs> right behind uh, yeah, Bryson you. and Dustin, I feel like Justin Thomas, from what I've been hearing, has been up there as one of the most hyped up figures in this field, right? Yeah. So I've... Yeah, it feels like a course he, he could win. It feels like a course that fits him. I just... It just from history, it just doesn't seem like he can hasn't gotten it done yet. Could be his year this year, but I don't know. Okay, cool. Thank thank you for contributing to that conversation. So for I your <laughs> for your final round, go bottom to top. So go who you think will finish okay, fifth, bottom to fourth, top. third, and then finally with the winner. And you already said a round nine under for the final for the winning score. So all right, so I've got. In fifth place, coming out of nowhere, Sanjay M. Okay. He is my fifth place finisher. Finisher. J- Jason, After Jason, that. do you know who Sanjay M is? No. Never heard of him. <laughs> okay. That's We're fine. You're going to hear of him after this week. He did, fin- he did finish second last year, so... Kind of low. He remembers. I feel like he's going to have a little bit of a Sunday charge in First him. place loser, like whatever. You know... Exactly. Sanjay M is my fifth place finisher. In in fourth place, we have Tony Finau. Tony Finau just does what he does. Doesn't seem to care about winning, but man, does he make a lot of money getting in the top five every week. 
So I'm going Tony Finau in my fourth hey, spot. Hey, you got to make what? a living somehow. Sam and I were talking about yep. that today. Like, is that really the worst life? <laughs> oh, dude, it's a great right? life. But God, I would just, I would just hate every week having to be like, are you going to win this? <laughs> are you going to do it? Is this the week, man? Like, I mean, since his last win, he's been in the top three, like, 20 times. Like, you would think by accident he would win, <laughs> right? Like, like, it is very hard to win a golf tournament. But, man, when you finish in the top three that many times, you, you've got to just fall your way into one. By accident, he's walking off the course. Hey, Tony, you won. No, 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 no. Take it. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, some, someone else has got to mess up once, right? Like, ugh. okay, anyways, anyways, I got Tony in fourth. I've got my man Bryson finishing in third. Like I said, I would love to see love to see a Sunday charge from him to fire up the crowd, fire up myself on Sunday. I think that would just make the sports world go crazy. Fire up myself. In second place. In second place, we've got DJ. Oh. I, I don't think he's going back to back, but I think he uh I think he's gonna have another good week. I think again, it's he can hit it's a bomber's paradise. He he's great on par fives. He's gonna score well on those, but I don't think he's gonna win. My winner, just because I think it'd be sick, and the golf world needs another tiger. Yeah. Jordan Spieth is back, baby. I love it. He is your Masters champion. I love it. I almost I almost feel wrong for letting you put that out in the universe because this is he won this last weekend and that was the first time in three years. Yeah, but but like I said, you know, I think he's gonna have a little bit of a winner's hangover on Thursday. I I, I didn't come out and say he's gonna win. I I think he's just gonna float around a little bit. I think he's just gonna kind of stay in the top ten. Like he might not even be in the top ten come Friday, but I think he's just gonna plot himself around that golf course and he's going to make a big number one day he's going to shoot five under on saturday maybe and boom here you are you've got your next master's champion right there jordan spieth calling it right now okay hey you're entitled to your opinion your own opinion man so i think starting from five to one right so I think Rory finds himself in there. He played really well last year outside of round one. I think he may even continue that, have a couple big rounds to find himself within that top five. I have DJ in at number four because he is his game is dialed. He just won the Masters last year. But I think the for the differences that are going into this tournament that Ben and I have already described, I think he falls back a little bit. Justin Thomas coming in at number three. I think his games, like everyone said, is in a right place. He scored really well here last year. He scores really well at the Masters seemingly every year, it seems like. So I think now he finishes in that top three spot. I have Paul Casey falling to number two. And then I have Xander Shoffley winning Uh, the 2021 uh. Masters tournament at – 12 under par. Thank you for a free round of golf. <laughs> I appreciate that, Sam. Yeah, you God, I No, uh, not a fan of your final five, man. That's not going to be a fun Sunday. I, I want a fun Sunday. That's... What's not fun Ooh, about Xander like Shoffley boring... winning his first major? Oh, dude. Xander does nothing for me, man. <laughs> he does nothing for that you. Is, he's one of the... He does nothing for me. 
Well, he might just win a Masters. Yeah, you know what? You. Like you so. said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but hey, J- Jason, hey, Jason, that. what do you? Just... Who do you think's got the edge going into this this Masters weekend? I think the uh, more fun round is going to be Ben's. <laughs> Thank you. Um, right? He had Dustin Johnson uh, finishing second. How's that fun? But he had Jordan Spieth winning, which means that I would also have been correct. Wouldn't, wouldn't, no, no, no. Like, wouldn't Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, you have the winner last week and the last Masters champion in the final group, and you have Bryson DeChambeau making a charge at them? Are you kidding me? And you're over here like, oh, I've got Paul Casey finishing in second and Xander Shoffley winning the tournament. I thought we were trying to make picks. That's a lame Sunday. realistic. You, how is that? How is Ben's not realistic? What? Yeah, because he's bringing up. Oh, I mean, Bryson's going to come out of nowhere. He's going to get all the way up into the top three. Charge. What do you mean that's not realistic? Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just picking guys that I could see in that position. I don't think, dude. I and I see my guys in the same position. I think I oh, said that was fine, dude. Well, I I mean, like your picks are. Oh, I don't like them. You can make them. <laughs> that, went, that went from, oh, they're okay, to I don't like them. <laughs> I really, I mean, Jason, do you really like those picks? Would you be like, oh, I can't wait to watch the golf on Sunday. Paul Casey's maybe going to win the fucking Masters? Depend, depends on why you're watching the Masters, you know? Are you a casual fan? Because if you're a casual fan, then no, you don't want to watch Sam's. You want to watch yours. But if you're a true like golfer and you like just watching I don't even golf, think... then it's not going to necessarily matter who's playing as long as the golf is yeah, good. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I just like, I don't even think true golf fans want to see Paul Casey I, win the Masters. And Xander Shoffley is winning the Masters. I don't know why you're saying Paul Casey is. And, but like, I don't even think real golf fans want to see that either. It, it doesn't matter what they want to see. It just matters what the player goes out and <laughs> does. <laughs> I don't get what... It's not like they. Oh uh, well, I'm just glad you you picked me a free round of golf. So thank you. Gosh. I will. I, will I feel like say, you're regretting no, having no, me on now. Show, man. You guys are too late. Done here. Um, but I can't wait till we play again because I'm taking this golf class, man. And Ben, you were you were promising that you were going to get my swing right, but I'm hoping that this golf instructor that I'm paying money and tuition for. Will actually get my swing right. <laughs> so hopefully, dude. It, hey, if he doesn't this summer, I've got time. We'll hit the range, man. Because I definitely need to figure out figure we'll out. Get you right. Slice has come to play, Benjamin. Let me tell you. Oh, we are we are over the top. Let me tell you. I know exactly <laughs> what you're doing right now. Don't you have to, I don't have to paint you a picture of what's going on. No, you don't need. You, yeah, I already got. I already got a couple of drills in mind for you. So, Ben, what's what's going on in life? When's your next tournament? Whoa, wait, 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 next wait, wait! Tournament? Oh, oh, the the trivia, you, the master trivia. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Do you mind if I round off the masters? Yes. Oh, of course. Please, Which, please do. I want to hear this. Okay, so I I've got some just crazy uh, stories that I went knee deep into this, and I, I think I found the five best stories and facts about the masters. And I'll try to read them as quickly as I can. So here we go. First one, 
The headline reads, President Reagan's round ruined by hostage situation. So, Reagan was playing in October 1983. President Ronald Reagan took a trip to Augusta to play a round with a Republican donor and a member of his cabinet. Shortly after Reagan made a mess of the par 3 12th hole, two members of his entourage took off to do some shopping at the pro shop. While their 45-year-old Charles Harris, a recently fired millwright, whatever that is, burst into wielding a revolver and demanding an audience with the president, Harris held several people hostage in the pro shop at gunpoint. Once told of the situation, Reagan tried to talk to Harris on the phone, but the connection was spotty eventually, and long after the president was taken away, all the hostages either escaped or were released, and Harris surrendered to the police two hours after the incident began. So there you go. There's one. So he didn't, well, he didn't get to finish his uh, round. Jeez. No. <laughs> That's too bad. Ben, would you finish the round? Damn. I mean, yeah, if there's still time, I'd head back out does, there. Does the, the guy holding the gun, does he need me to call him right now? Like, can I tell him that this is the one time I get to play Augusta? Right? Like, this is the one time in my life. Yeah, so, exactly. Can I call him back later? Is that possible? <laughs> right. Um, all right, so here we go. Number two. Augusta turns into a cattle farm during World War II. So, just nothing too long about this one. The club shut down in 1942 with the United States entrance into World War II and remained closed until 95. Instead of keeping the land dormant, the club decided to temporarily transform it into a cattle farm. So there's that. Didn't know that about Augusta. Number three, the Masters was born out of U.S. Open rejection. So the Masters wasn't even considered a major until the middle of the 20th century. Uh, In fact, the tournament was born out of rejection for another major. Club founder Bobby Jones and chairman Clifford Roberts wanted to debut the course to the world by hosting the 1934 U.S. Open. But the USGA wasn't uh, easily convinced because USGA President Herbert Jacques wrote that whereas, whereas we are all favorable, inclined to to this move in the near future, we do not think it is practical to attempt in 1934. Without a U.S. Open to hold there, Jones and Roberts decided to create their own event, the Augusta National Invitation, which soon came to be known as the Masters and eventually rose to the prominence to sit beside the U.S. Open. So I got two more for you, and I'm going to save the uh, – the best two for last. So a man dies and is reborn at Augusta during the 2018 Masters. So in 2018, Johnny Pruitt landed his ultimate golf dream tickets to the Masters, but shortly after getting to the course, he collapsed near the 11th green in Amen Corner with a massive heart attack. A quick-acting doctor and fellow Masters patron immediately performed CPR as a club employee rushed Pruitt to a medical tent. He was eventually transferred to a local hospital where he miraculously recovered after being near death for weeks. Incredibly, Pruitt returned to Augusta National one year later at the 2019 Masters and feeling reborn from his struggle to survive. And then number five. So you guys know... Ben, what would you say is the most famous hole at Augusta? Is it 16? It's got to be – oh, I was thinking 12. 12? How high do yeah, you think 16 seven. is up on the list? 
How high? Yeah, the par three. Uh, it's probably in the top five most rec. I mean, probably even top three or four most recognizable holes on the property. So I'd say it's up there. Right. So few holes have changed as much as the par three, the 16th. The iconic hole with a pond running down the left side of the green was the site of legendary birdies by Jack Nicholas on his way to the Vic- on his way to victory in 1986 and Tiger Woods on his way to his fifth green jacket. That's right. Five in 2019. The original 16th required an easy 145-yard shot over a creek. But in 1947, Robert Trent Jones Sr. completely transformed the hole, adding the pond and turning it into the dramatic hole it has become. And also, just a bonus one, Augusta was also, somebody had an idea to turn Augusta into a 19-hole course. They wanted, like, the last hole to be 80 yards uphill. And they eventually said no to that because it got in the way of the 18th hole and how pretty the last hole is. But there was actually going to be a 19-hole Augusta. It was The idea was whoever, like, didn't win could win some of their money back back on the last hole. See, I love that. I love that idea, man. I think all golf courses should have a 19th hole. Why? Just more golf, right? Yeah, it's more golf. I think it should be a short par three, funnel pin, hole in one. Love that. Okay, sorry. But yes, that's cool. I didn't know that. So there you go. Some facts about Augusta. That's I I did not know any of those. Those are sweet. Yeah, so that's it from us. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't think we have anything else to say. We're kind of running against the the back here. Uh thank you, thank you, thank you Ben for coming on. That was uh, a lot of fun talking about the NCAA, talking about the Kings and then talking about the Masters. So thanks again for coming on. Boys, always a pleasure yeah, thanks, again. Glad our, glad our agents could figure something out. Um, always a lot. Of yeah, it was mostly mostly the money, not the length of the contract. Mostly just the money because Ben's greedy as heck. So, yeah, I like being paid by the word. As you can tell, I talk a lot. <laughs> and again, Jason, thank you for being here. We almost didn't have you, so I don't know if the show would have ran as smoothly if we didn't have you, but thank you for coming. Like a buzzer beater by Jason. It, it was it was a we buzzer beater, it. yeah. And then for sure. I'm glad I could be here. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, man. And then thank you everyone that is listening. We will try to have another episode out next week, but there is no promises because Jason and I are busy, busy, busy. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Jason, you want to sign off a little bit? Uh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we obviously we always try to put out an episode each and every week. Sometimes life and school gets in the way, but uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get that uh, another episode out for you. And we're gonna try to get more guests in the future. That's gonna be a big thing for us going forward. I know Sam and I have talked about that quite a bit. We always say that the show is better with guests, so we're really going to try to push for uh, some more guests on the show because we know it just brings a wider range of audience, and um, it's just more fun, honestly. So Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks again for listening, and thanks again, Ben, for coming on. I hope you guys have – Of course, let's hope – Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was, gonna, I was just going to say let's hope, you know, my Sunday – Masters comes to fruition and not your boring Sundays. Masters, well, when you're so. sitting when you're sitting there yeah. watching Paul Casey in the final group, you'll know to text me to say congratulations. So, 
Wait, hang on. Just be crying. Stipulation. What happens if you guys tie? Uh, who's closer on the the Ooh. winning score? Okay. Yeah, did you okay. hear that? Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I heard that one. Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, please text me uh, all your your lists because I couldn't type all of them fast enough. Because you, I was just so enthralled with what you were saying, so I just couldn't. I just couldn't type. You know. God, you're so kind <laughs> to me, Sam. I really appreciate and that. And good luck if anyone's in the Portland area. Uh, I guess if you see Ben around, tell him good luck on this this final season in golf and we are pulling for you if you need a sponsor ben nothing to say the fans podcast will sponsor your next tournament no matter what yeah if you guys could get me a shirt with your guys's logo on it that'd be sick I'd wear it. <laughs> okay we'll we'll talk we'll talk no, about i'm it so down <laughs> i'm so sure. down yeah yeah i and like that, that is all from us